Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This is the Dan Abrams Long Crime Podcast, Sirius XM Radio. This Obamagate theory, conservative media have been talking about it um, incessantly. And yet then you get the, the left media or the middle media sort of ignoring it because they don't think it's worthy of addressing to some degree. And so you're stuck out there with Fox covering it nonstop and the others not dealing with it quite that much. There's some coverage of it, but it doesn't allow you to really dig in and understand what's going on. So I'm going to be focusing again on this theory. I'm going to play some of what you've been hearing on Fox. And the reason I'm doing it is because I respect and appreciate the audience we have here on POTUS. And I think for those of you who regularly listen to the show, you know that we get a politically diverse um, audience here. But it's people who generally respect facts. People who are on different sides of the political aisle sometimes. But the reason you listen to this show, and I've had many of you call in who say you disagree with me, but you appreciate the fact that I focus on, on facts. So this is a really important thing to focus on because it now appears it is going to be a central part of President Trump's arguments moving forward. He's been tweeting about it incessantly, and you've been hearing about it on Fox News. And there's an article in the Washington Post, which I'm going to talk to one of the authors about a little bit later, um, about this, about how it all started. And the headline is called How a Flynn Theory Became Central to the Trump Re-Election Campaign. There's a story published in the Washington Post. And I'll, I'll get to that with one of the authors of the, the piece in a moment. But let's be clear. <clears throat> this theory is basically now the Obamagate piece of it is that General Flynn was unmasked. Right? His name was revealed to a handful of security people, top officials in government in um, December and early January in connection with wiretaps of, for example, Ambassador Kislyak from Russia. And what happens is the government is listening in. They see that the Russian is talking about things that are of concern, issues. And the person who is the American citizen is not identified. And so in order, and that's to protect American citizens who just kind of get caught up in conversations. The unmasking occurs when these intelligence officials or others say, we need to know who this is to understand better what's happening here. It happens on a regular basis. When I say it happens on a regular basis, it is part of intelligence gathering. There is nothing wrong criminal, improper, about unmasking. It sounds nefarious, right? Unmasking. But there's nothing about it 
that is sinister in and of itself. President Trump has been, has un, in this administration, has unmasked more American citizens than did President Obama year to year. Doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean President Trump was wrong. But this appears to be the final piece in an indictment of the Russia investigation. That now you see that they were out to get him. The whole point of unmasking isn't to make it public. Although, look, you want to criticize the fact that there was a leak? Go for it. Separate issue. But the unmasking of Michael Flynn was almost to be expected. Think about it. You've got a senior official with top secret clearance working in the White House who's got ties to various Russian government entities. He's traveled to Russia. He's taken a lot of money from state-controlled Russian media. As the investigation is winding down, he has phone conversations with the Russian ambassador just when the U.S. has imposed sanctions on Russia for interfering in the 2016 election. He asks Russia to respond in a measured fashion. He subsequently lies to the vice president and other White House officials about the calls, causing the White House to make inaccurate statements. The Russian government, of course, is aware of the lies. And therefore, you've got the possibility of blackmail. That's what they know once they realize it's Michael Flynn. Based on what we know today, this Obamagate theory is 100% bullshit. 100%. Based on what we know today, there isn't an iota of evidence thus far to implicate President Obama or even any member of, of his inner circle, for that matter, in a crime or even wrongdoing when it comes to the unmasking of General Flynn. The only way you can possibly get there is you have to presume that the motives of the people involved were political and nefarious, despite the fact that the Inspector General has already determined there was no evidence that any launching of the Russia investigation, any key piece of it, was politically motivated. You have to make leaps to be able to say, aha, this is why it happened. Because based on the facts of what we know and what they knew at the time, there is Nothing today to support the notion that this is a scandal. You can use the word gate after President Obama's name, and unmasking sounds scary, and it sounds sinister. But as of today, there's nothing. And this is a new effort, largely driven by the right-wing media, 
Now, again, this idea that Michael Flynn has become this sort of hero. When we were talking about it in 2017, and it was confirmed that he'd lied to the vice president, even the president at the time was saying, well, you know, he was concerned about it. They fired him. But this is how, if you are just listening, and again, when I say that this is what they're doing on Fox, they are covering this now more on Fox than the pandemic. And the reason I'm focusing this hour on it is because people in the middle, I think, aren't bothering enough to focus on the facts and to, to dispel fair-minded people out there who don't really understand what they're alleging because it's confusing and it involves various leaps of faith, bad faith. So here's, this is number one. I'm going to play a bunch of sound from what you've been listening to on Fox News in the last couple of days. This is Sean Hannity, number one. Buckle up. Wow. Huge, massive developments in the biggest abuse of power, corruption scandal in American history. What did Barack Hussein Obama know and when did he know it? I mean, this is made up. Putting aside it's not the biggest. It's not a scandal. There's no evidence today of a scandal. Maria Bartiromo talking about it. We will continue to peel back the onion on this incredible story. Yes, the biggest political scandal of our time. I mean, again, this is made up. They're just saying this stuff. Janine Pirro on Fox News. The release this week of long-hidden transcripts fully exposed the left's attempt at a coup d'etat, albeit bloodless, but a coup nonetheless. <laughs> I mean, we're in cuckoo town here. Greg Jarrett, my old friend who used to be a, you know, a sort of solid legal analyst, has the now gone all... Why? Uh, and I think it's because, uh, you know, Flynn had a bullseye on his back. People like Comey, McCabe, uh, Brennan and Clapper all knew that once Flynn took the helm of the national as national security advisor, he would expose uh, the Russia hoax. Right. Right. And <laughs> and how does that explain why if Comey and McCabe and the rest of these guys wanted to bring down the president? They didn't leak it during the campaign. Could have killed the president's election. And 11 days before the election, Comey announces he's reopening the Hillary Clinton investigation. These are the people who wanted to bring down Flynn a month and a half later because he was going to expose the Russia hoax? Guys, this is made up. It's, you know, there are things where, for example, the Hillary Clinton um, server debate. She engaged in wrongdoing. She did something wrong. The question of whether it was a crime is a separate question. And so 
you could have debates about would someone in her position have been charged or not charged, etc. There is no allegation of wrongdoing here. As of now. And do you know how you know that? Because even when the president was asked by the Washington Post, Philip Rucker, who was one of the co-authors of this article, I'm going to know. Oh, uh, yeah, of this article I'm going to be talking about in a moment. When he asked the president about his Obamagate tweets and what crime was committed, here's what the president said. What a joke. The Obama people got no, caught this week, and it looks like it goes it. straight to the top. Bill- that's not it. That's Jesse Waters. Let's go to President Trump. I mean, Jesse Waters saying the same, you know, spewing the same stuff. This is now the president being asked by The Washington Post, Philip Rucker, number 10. In one of your Mother's Day tweets, you appear to accuse President Obama of the biggest political crime in American history by oh. far. Those were your words. What crime exactly are you accusing President Obama of committing, and do you believe the Justice Department should prosecute him? Uh, Obamagate. It's been going on for a long time. It's been going on from before I even got elected, and it's a disgrace that it happened. And if you look at what's gone on, and if you look at now all of this information that's being released, and from what I understand, that's only the beginning. Uh, Some terrible things happened, and it should never be allowed to happen in our country again. And you'll be seeing what's going on over the next, over the coming weeks. But I, and I wish you'd write honestly about it. But unfortunately, you choose not to do so. Yeah, John, please. Crime. What is the crime exactly that uh, you're accusing him of? You know what the crime is. The crime is very obvious to everybody. All you have to do is read the newspapers, except yours. Yeah, all right. The crime is very obvious. The reason the president can't answer that question is because there is no crime, much less wrongdoing when it comes to this alleged unmasking. If you read uh, William Barr's effort to dismiss the charges in the Michael Flynn case, he alleges that the FBI never had predication, meaning it didn't have a good reason to continue its questioning of Flynn. Okay. I don't agree with him. I think that's political. But to some degree, that's a disagreement. The claim about the unmasking is a different level of cuckoo town. So there's a good article in the Washington Post called How a Flynn Theory Became Central to the Trump Re-election Campaign. And it's written by Philip Rucker, Matt Zapatosky, Robert Costa, and Shane Harris. And Matt Zapatosky, uh, who is... National security reporter covers the Justice Department for the Washington Post, uh, joins us now. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. So lay out the, the, the focus of your, of your article here. You talk to us about how this, because I have now, this is the second day I've focused on this theory. Um, yesterday, I really wanted to make sure I was up to speed on exactly what the allegations were when the calls came in, et cetera, what they were monitoring. Now I feel like I understand it better, which is why at the top of the show, I said that this theory as of what we know today is bullshit. And so the question is how this became such a central part of what President Trump and now many on the right um, are focusing on as this great scandal. And that's what your article explains. So take us through it. 
Yeah, we were sort of kind of trying to trace how this term Obamagate got to be in recent days like a point seized upon by the right and how, again, we got to be on the subject of unmasking. I don't know if you remember, but this isn't entirely new, right? A couple years ago, Devin Nunes was on this great quest to use the word unmasking and suggest impropriety. So we sort of traced everything that was going on among Trump allies, among Trump administration officials, to gin up this effort to get unmasking back in the headlines to paint Mike Flynn as a martyr. And kind of the conclusion that we came to is Trump allies really see this just using this word, even though, as, as you've discussed extensively, there's not a whole lot of substance there, how they saw this as a great point for the campaign, how they saw this as just another great way to attack Biden and help Trump's campaign. So at the bottom of our story, we talk about how Trump was recently presented with poll numbers showing Obama polls quite well, and that upset him. So he wants to go after President Obama, even though he's not running against President Obama uh, directly. So that's what the story was seeking to do, just trace how in the last week or so the right has really seized on this unmasking and the steps that they've taken to kind of get it in the headlines and get it in the news. And you talk specifically about Richard Grinnell, the acting director of national intelligence, a big uh, Trump defender, um, who brings this list uh, that he had declassified of former Obama administration officials um, that apparently sought to unmask, remove the anonymity from the references in the intelligence uh, documents. First of all, did he declassify this? just this portion for the clearly political motivation? I mean, he would probably argue no. He would probably argue that there is a legitimate motivation to declassify it. But the steps that happen after the declassification are so interesting. So on Thursday, the very day that the Justice Department is putting the finishing touches on this motion to throw out the Flynn case, Rick Grinnell shows up at the Justice Department. And there to capture his arrival at kind of the side entrance is Fox News. That's really notable. I mean, I am a Justice Department beat reporter. If we weren't kind of in the age of coronavirus, I would be at the Justice Department every day. But as it stands now, few reporters are going there because few employees are going there. But Fox knows to be there. And they also know to be kind of at the exact entrance where Rick Grinnell is entering. So senior officials at the Justice Department are kind of taken aback, like, holy cow, did Grinnell or someone close to Grinnell tip Fox that he was going to be coming and delivering this list? So he delivers the list. It's the list that's now public. At the time, it wasn't. And then there's this kind of effort. Again, Justice feels that this is spearheaded by ODNI, but to say, well, now it's on Bill Barr to release it. So Bill Barr's spokesperson goes on Fox and says, yeah, look, we're not doing that. If, if Rick Grinnell wants to do that, he can do it. And within a day, uh, he turns, Rick Grinnell turns it over to Congress, and it's public and generates all sorts of headlines. I mean, you played all sorts of clips on Fox. I suspect they were probably addressing this. And it just seems like this orchestrated strategy to get the word unmasking back in the news, though, as you've stressed repeatedly, there's nothing inherently wrong with unmasking. It sounds like a bad word. It almost sounds like you're inappropriately making something public, but that's not what it is at all. What it is is just 
an intelligence official, a government official, looking at a document that has a name blacked out or otherwise shielded and saying, I want to know more about this just for me, not for the public. Tell me who that is. But the right has really seized on this to suggest, gosh, Flynn was unmasked. That's wrong. And then, you know, broadened that out to suggest there's just, I guess, great corruption or a crime that the president and, can't um, seem to articulate. And take us through the significance of this January 5th meeting. They're now making this meeting out to be the moment when the wrongdoing occurred. Yeah, I mean, boy, the reason they're doing this is because, again, they can link Biden. You know, if you look at like look at our story when Rand Paul is talking about the document, I'll get to the meeting in a second. But he says something like we have the smoking gun now because we have a declassified document with Joe Biden's name on it. There's nothing. I mean, yes, there is a document with Joe Biden's name on it, but there is no there's nothing wrong with that. Joe Biden is allowed to ask to unmask somebody. So this January 5th meeting, the effort is kind of similar, right? So this is a meeting where various government officials are talking about the Russia investigation with respect to Flynn. And, and it would be completely appropriate, I think they would argue, for high-level government officials to know, uh, know what's going on with that investigation. We're talking about uh, you know, a foreign adversary interfering in our election and the possible incoming national security advisor being a part of that. So because Biden is a part of this meeting, the right has seized on this to say, aha, that means Flynn was some, or that, excuse me, that means Biden was somehow connected to wrongdoing in the Flynn case when there's really not evidence of that. It's just like putting Biden in the middle of something they feel is wrong. And, and, and again, before I go to your calls on this, I want to just make one other thing. We've said this a thousand, we've said it a thousand times. You've heard Matt refer to it. You've heard me to refer to it. The phrase unmasking. It happened. It, when I say it happens all the time, sometimes there are things where you can say, well, you know, these things shouldn't happen, right? But they happen all the For example, FBI or police lying to someone to try and get them to, to tell the truth in the end. And people say, well, yes, they're allowed to do it, but they really shouldn't be doing it. There is nothing wrong with unmasking. It is a part of what they are supposed to be doing. There's no question about that. You could argue if there was, you know, some effort, again, to unmask and publicize someone to harm them politically. The way to do that would have been able to do it in the campaign. The way to hurt President Trump would have been unmask someone who's being investigated in the context of the campaign and then leak it. Then we can have a conversation about wrongdoing. Let's go to uh, Rick from Florida. Rick, how you doing? What do you got? Dan, Dan, it's, it's just... Okay, so you talk about that the right is pushing this narrative that, oh my gosh, you're in mass. Let's not talk about that the left has pushed narrative for three years that there was a Russia collusion when there was zero basis. Zero... Oh, let's nothing. see. All right, well, no, let's, start, what, let's start right there, okay? What you just okay. said is, is, is objectively untrue, right? When you say there was no basis, the inspector general did an exhaustive report on whether there was any basis to begin the Russia investigation. And the answer was yes. And the idea that, again, that Comey is part of the left trying to get Donald Trump, it was so easy. We know James Comey knows how to leak. He could have done it during the campaign. He didn't do it. So this notion, I can't even let you start the question with, for three years, the left has been. 
Rod Rosenstein is a, is a long-term Republican. He's the one who set the stage. He's the one who appointed Mueller. So don't tell me about the left. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Okay. So then here's, here's the, why I called. Okay. So correct. There, you can say there is no exact evidence of, you know, misdoing by uh, Obama and his administration. But you can't say that there's questions that have to be answered as to, I understand he unmasked Flynn, and that's not illegal, but why do it a week before you're about to head out? I, that's, that's a question. It's, it's, just, it's just a collusion of, 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 of circumstances because, is what's no, going on here. I'll explain to you what happened. The, the reason it happened then is because that's when Flynn had the conversation. I mean, Flynn had the conversation. You know, there's first the meeting with Kislyak on November 30th, right? There's that meeting with Kushner, um, et cetera. And then Kislyak goes and talks about it. So now they've been hearing Kislyak talk about this meeting. Then they get the call with Kislyak and, and Flynn, and this happens in late December. And so, yes, it happens because you don't just throw in the towel on investigations because you're ending uh, your term. The bottom line is, if Russia, there was, we knew Russia had tried to influence the election. They're investigating potential Russian conspiracy. And Michael Flynn, who has traveled to Russia, taken large money, sums of money from Russian-controlled media, is having conversations with the Russian ambassador. These are real things. What's wrong with that? No, but I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with that. You can't threaten a man who's national security advisor. You can't threaten uh, a senator for talking to anyone from foreign nations. That's their job. You can't threaten no, no. someone with a Logan Act when no one has ever been charged with Logan Act for 100 years. I agree. Look, I'm not, not going to tell you that I think that the Logan Act should have been enforced here. Let's focus on the difference. You said nothing wrong, okay? Let's even assume the Logan Act shouldn't have been um, um, addressed, and it wasn't criminal. It was still wrong, meaning the reason that the United States was imp- imposing sanctions on Russia was for what they did wrong in the 2016 election. If the new administration wants to come in and have a new policy on that, that's okay. But they're not the new administration until January 20th. And in the context okay. of a broader Russia investigation, of course you would investigate this. Again, you can now say, looking back on it, I think that Flynn uh, got a, a raw deal. Okay, Martha Stewart got a raw deal. Flynn got a raw deal because they both lied to the FBI. But okay. that doesn't mean there was nothing wrong with it. Well, when they finished off the 302, supposing you know, he was done, there was no need for him to go back and everything. And then after they go back, whatever, he supposedly he, you know, he lied and all that kind of stuff. And then... I, wait, 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 stop, Rick. He lies and all that kind of stuff, right? Since when, you sound like you're probably a sort of law and order guy, right? You're probably a guy who tends to be pro-prosecution. And now, suddenly, when it comes to Michael Flynn, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, he, he, so he lied to the FBI and stuff, but, you know, who cares, right? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're right, but I heard you say the same thing to someone else yesterday, but now here's the thing. His perjury, they said, or, you know, it was, um, Lying. I forgot, yeah. an FBI, F- FBI said there was no materiality for his perjury. There's a difference between, wait a minute, there's a collusion here. All right, look, Rick, it wasn't perjury, first of all, and it clearly was material to what they were investigating. Now, the Justice Department's new position is that they never should have been sort of investigating it at this point at all. 
Regardless, again, that doesn't mean there was nothing wrong with it. And it doesn't mean that somehow this suggests that there was wrongdoing or criminality or one of the greatest political scandals. None of it. None of it. Okay. Right. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Ned from Virginia has been patiently waiting as Matt Zabatowski and I continue to take your calls. Hi, Dan. Hey, Matt. A couple of things. Um, First of all, Obama gave Trump a heads up. When they had their meeting in the transition, and Obama tried to make his transition as seamless and smooth as Bush had done for him, he gave him one caveat. He said, watch out for Michael Flynn. He said, you don't, want to, you don't want to mess with this guy. It's trouble. And what does Obama do, or what does Trump do? He appoints him as DNI. Also, in Flynn's pleading, he pled to the fact that he was on Turkey's payroll and writing columns in the press trying to extract um, a dissident back to Turkey. And he was on Turkey's payroll as he's the prospective DNI. And third and lastly, I call all this right-wing nut media cast because what they are doing is they are a mouthpiece for the Trump administration, and they're no different from what CAST does in, the, in, in Russia uh, backing up Putin. Thanks, guys. Ned, thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Ryan in Austin. Ryan, how you doing? What do you got? Hey, Mr. Abrams, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. I, I appreciate listening to you not every day, but more often than not. And I, I appreciate that you, you, as far as I can tell, I take you at your word, you deal in facts. Even when you deal in facts, sometimes you can not include all of the facts of a particular story, right? That's a, that's a fair... Okay. So, so t- what am I missing? Well, and look, what do I know? I'm Joe Q. Public that has to rely on the media, all of which has some agenda. They all vary. How am I supposed to know anything? As you're talking about this story and you're using profanity to explain your, your, your incredulousness that there's nothing to see here as of today as the facts exist, I would, I would appreciate just as somebody who wants to know the truth, why have you not yet talked about the fact that Samantha Powers, former United States ambassador to the U.N., requested on seven occasions for this same information, but yet under oath does not recollect having done so? At the very least, isn't that suspicious? There, there's so, no facts to allege wrongdoing at this point, but it's suspicious, if nothing else, and worth being part of the discussion, I feel but, like. But, but again, I I, I, again, it, it has been part of the discussion. I think we talked at length about Susan Rice yesterday. But let me let me let uh, Matt Zapatowski give us a little fact check on uh, on that and its significance. Yeah, I sort of addressed that, and I also was thinking about something with the first caller Rick brought up. These unmasking requests—it's not as if the officials making them know what they're getting, right? It's not as if they know Flynn's name is somewhere, and if they unmask it, then it will become public. They're making the request 
because, you know, absolutely because they don't know who is behind that and they want to understand it better, right? Like these are our national security and government officials who are trying to protect us. So if they see some NSA chatter that has a U.S. person talking to the Russian ambassador about sanctions and the U.S. response, and they're thinking, well, geez, that wasn't any authorized government person. Who is that? That's why they ask. So I think that is somewhat undercutting to this notion, even if President or Vice President Biden, excuse me, hasn't explained why he made that request on January 12th. That does cut against the notion that he made that request for some purpose to out General Flynn. He wouldn't have known well, when he made the request who it was. That's why he would be making that And request. by the way, if you okay. want to actually hurt someone more in a sort of secret way, what you would do is you would know who the person was already without even having to, quote, unquote, ask for them to be unmasked and then leak that information without saying, hey, look, my hands are clean. I didn't even, I didn't even know who the person was. Um, and yet, there, look, there are going to be times when they have a pretty good sense of who the person is, right, Matt? I mean, you know, there are going to be times when even before the official unmasking, when they're going to have a pretty good idea of who the person was. So, so I, I appreciate y'all's feedback. Maybe I'm slow and I'm not keeping up. But everything y'all just said, I feel like was glossing over and not addressing. I grant that. And I'm conceding that, that, that requesting the unmasking of people in and of itself is not illegal. But specifically, as relates, uh, as relates to Samantha Power, having done so on multiple occasions and under oath, not recollecting that, again, in that instance specifically, that just seems odd that she would have done this thing on multiple occasions, but then under oath, not recollected having done that. Why would she do that if there wasn't potentially something nefarious going on? I'm not talking about Biden. I'm not talking about anybody else. But in this instance, somebody who has a fairly high position in government was on this list, made this request seven times, allegedly. Yeah. But then under under oath, does not recollect, which is to say denies. Right. I mean, I don't recollect. OK, fine. So, you, well, but I, again, I, and I may not have this right, but but based on the number of people who get unmasked and the number of people. Right. right. Thousands it. a year. Right. right. Trump, 16,000. I get it. But Flynn is not this. This this particular story is not nothing at the time. In OK, but but again, but but right? I, I don't know, Matt, do you want to add anything before I make a final comment on this one about Samantha Power? I mean, I would just I, I, I think the caller kind of speaks to the point. First, I would say this. We are asking Samantha Power and everybody else on that list why did you make these requests? You know, we are doing reporting around this, including Vice President Biden, everybody. But the, the point the point is that, like, there are thousands of these requests. She's not the only person on that list, I think I can say, that says, gosh, on that particular day, I don't remember. I don't remember making that request. I don't know what it was about. And again, I think a part of that is because these aren't like directed at Flynn, right? This is like they are trying to understand an intelligence product. They make a request. It comes back Flynn. But they do this so often that it's not inherently suspicious that you'd be like, boy, I don't remember that. That said, you know, of course, we are doing reporting and asking these people, do you remember, you know, why yep. you did this on this particular day? Ryan, thank you for the call. You're obviously you're, you're, you're minimizing your knowledge about this. You're obviously very knowledgeable about what's uh, what's going on. And look, your question is a much fairer one, by the way, than the sort of broad. Well, this is Obamagate. 
You're asking a very specific question. And look, obviously, neither Matt nor I can speak for Samantha Powers. We can tell you what is in the public record about what she said, et cetera. And that's why Matt and the Washington Post are continuing to, to look into it. But none of this shows Obamagate. So, um, but Ryan, thank you for the call and uh, your time. Appreciate it. Let's go to Dave in Michigan, line six. Dave, how you doing? What do you got? Dan, I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Well, good. What's up? Dan, just, as, just as you arched your back when the caller mentioned the Russian hoax, when I hear it, and I've heard it so much over the last couple of years by lawmakers, by journalists, when they say the Russian hoax, my hair starts on fire. I wish your caller could answer, or the next politician that refers to it as the Russian hoax could answer just one question. What was Donald Trump's campaign manager, Paul Manafort, for doing, giving the Russian agent polling information, having discussions about battleground states? What was that called? Help me with some simple English. If that's not collusion, was that just being neighborly? What is that it, called? It, is that not involvement? You know, and look, one it, other quick thing. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yep. Go ahead. Go well, there ahead. Yep. 200, we know there were 272 contacts by, Russians, by Donald Trump's campaign people with Russian connections. And I think that, that encompassed like 38 of his people. We know that the first 12 people that were directly asked under investigation, lied about it. I mean, what, what's that called? There's, there was, there's plenty of examples. It, it's one of the disappointments of the Mueller report that, you know, so many of these people in this country just aren't aware, aware of it. But what, what, what was that called when Manafort was giving polling information? I wish some good investigative journalist would do a special on it. Some of my CNN programs I watch, it's just a lingering, unanswered question to me that's huge. Yeah, and, and, and look, and, and unfortunately, and I'm going to sort of take the flip side on this, um, Matt, is that you know, I think that in the end, that was probably, it was definitely a conversation with, with the Russians during the campaign, but it was probably less nefarious than I think some on the left would like it to be in terms of him providing that information. What do you make of it? Well, let me, Dan, let me say oh, let this. Me ask. We, we, we know well, that the Russian... Uh, agents, you know, the Russian uh, internet agency was working in Macomb County. Was, oh, was there's no look. Let, let's be clear. There's no question that the Russians made serious efforts to impact the 2016 election in favor why of Donald Trump. Why did they Trump. need the polling information? Why, uh, but why again, did they do with it? I, you know, I, I, Matt, was, it, was that particular instance, do you think that's been something that's been undercovered, as, a, as Dave from Michigan alleges? I mean, we have covered that, and I would say, like, Mueller kind of came down on the idea that the Russians certainly wanted to help Trump, Trump's campaign. Trump's campaign was very open to that help, but they're just he did not have evidence of a grand conspiracy. On that point, there's some evidence Manafort was doing that because he wanted to ingratiate himself with a business partner, though it certainly raises suspicions, as lots of things did during the campaign. Mueller just couldn't substantiate kind of a grand conspiracy. Well, just that, though, you can look at, like, the Trump Tower meeting. Frankly, you could look at Flynn's call with Kislyak and promising not to retaliate on sanctions. There's a lot of instances that you could see why investigators would be like, hmm, I wonder if there's something there. But at the end of the day, Mueller couldn't substantiate some kind of conspiracy. Yeah. All right, Dave, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Let's go to John in Mississippi. John, how you doing? What do you got? 
Hey, Dan, thanks for taking my call. I do have a question for, for Matt. You know, I listened to uh, Dan talk about the importance of facts and evidence. And I do agree with Dan. I, I think it's early for, for Obamagate. I don't think it's early, though, for FBI gate. And let me go through some quick things. When it comes to FISA, that was totally unacceptable in how that was handled. When it comes to McCabe, who's in law enforcement for 30-plus years, and he comes out to be a liar. Uh, Dan talks about Comey and how he's a notorious leaker, which I'm shocked. I didn't know they do it at that level, but apparently they do. And he spoke to Nicole Wallace and told her, during this chaos, I'm going to avoid Dan McGahn, the legal counsel. I'm going to sneak in some agents and get after Flynn because the notes later show from the FBI that their intention right. wasn't quite – they weren't quite sure if they were trying to get him to lie so they can get him fired yeah. or charged. So I agree with Dan. It's early for, for Obamagate. I don't think it's too early for FBI gate. All right. What's let me – let me, well, let, first, before I go to Matt, let me just first – again, I've said this before. With regard to FISA, right, I've made it clear. The inspector general report showed serious, not not minor, serious problems with the FISA application process. But it also, in a report, showed that that had been an ongoing problem with FISA applications in the FBI. The point being, it wasn't tar- the problems that existed weren't specific to Carter Page, who was no longer even working on the Trump campaign. But with that said, let's. I'll, I'm willing to call it FISA gate. I'm not willing to call it. FBI gate. And finally, on McCabe versus Flynn. Yeah, I mean, look, you want to argue that McCabe should have been charged. If you make that argument, you better be saying Flynn ought to be charged, too, because, you know, while I would argue that Flynn is more serious, um, uh, you can't argue McCabe should have been charged and Flynn shouldn't. But let me let uh, Matt Zabatowski from the uh, Washington Post uh, take it away. Yeah, I I mean, the caller raises a lot of fair points. FISA seems to be a real issue. There was, of course, the inspector general report that really raked their handling of the Carter Page FISA. But there was also kind of a follow on where the inspector general took a random sample of FISAs and and found problems in almost every one. And that speaks to your point, Dan, that this might not be not to say it's not a problem, but it might not be a problem motivated by politics, but a problem that is fueled by sort of incompetence or sloppiness or something like that, which, which is to say it's very bad. On Comey, too, I mean, look, I think if you talk to some Justice Department officials around that time, they would say they didn't love everything he did. I mean, tracing back to his treatment of Hillary Clinton, announcing just weeks before the investigation that, or weeks before the election, excuse me, that the investigation was back on, you know, not wanting to inform the White House what was going on with Flynn and then sending agents over there kind of without the blessing of the deputy attorney general, letting her know as they were on the way. But that, I would say, is like a law enforcement strategy disagreement. You know, there's the, the FBI treats people heavy handedly who aren't part of the Trump campaign and in a lot of conservative circles. That, that's sort of OK, right? Like we want them to bust spies and terrorists. But then when they use those same aggressive tactics against people who, who conservatives like, they're, they're sort of not, totally. they don't view them the yep. same way. Yep, that's, that, that's the part that makes me nuts is the double standard. Nancy from Missouri joins us now. Nancy, how you doing? What do you got? I'm good. Hey, I wanted to ask Matt in his, you know, research or studies of the, the right, um, Obama was in office for eight years, and this is somehow um, the aha thing that we finally got him moment. Um, I didn't vote for 
President Obama, so I could care either way if he's investigated, go for it. But I think this is their one, you know, we finally got him moment. And I think, you know, for Donald Trump supporters that in three years, you know, we've had, you know, uh, corruption of his own self-enrichment. He's got foreign governments staying at his properties. He's going after political opponents. Uh, Kushner has got his family business involved in all this, violations of subpoenas, ethic rules. I mean, it just goes on and on. It, and not to even mention Donald Trump it, when he was in Helsinki standing up and somehow, you know, siding on ru- with Russia how is it that they justify everything that Donald Trump does? But when it comes to Obama in eight years, the fact that he unmasked or, you know, supposedly uh, Michael Flynn, that that is their one, you know, he's going down. We finally got him a moment. How do, how do they think that makes this right somehow? That would be the definition of a loaded question. Matt? <laughs> so, I mean, I think I would say a couple of things on that. The, the main thing is, I, I, you know, I'm a Justice Department reporter, but unfortunately that has been covering, or fortunately or unfortunately, that has been covering a lot of politics lately. And this, this is politics, right? Like, we get into in our story that the reason they're bringing Obama into this and Biden into this is they see that as good politics. President Trump is greatly alarmed that former President Obama has such good poll numbers. He's recently been presented with with those numbers, um, and that is rubbing him the wrong way. So his allies have sort of spun up this Obamagate campaign. Um, you know, maybe Obama's numbers are so good because people saw his administration as having fewer scandals than some of the ones you've mentioned um, right. with President Trump. I only covered the department sort of at the very tail end of the Obama administration, so I can't speak to that firsthand. But I would say, like, the reason that they're bringing Obama into this now is because they see it as a good political cudgel. Nancy, thank you for the I call. Let's go to it. Kurt. For, Nancy, I just, I, sorry, I just got to get in a couple more calls. We're almost out of time. Let's go to Kurt from Tampa. Kurt, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Um, my question, I got two questions. One, what's the significance of the 2,000 DOJ employees uh, wanting bar out? Is that significant or not? And no, not significant. Second question. <laughs> okay, thank you. And uh, with Flynn, I got a lot of friends telling me it's entrapment. What's What's the argument to that? Let me let Matt uh, address that one. Thank you. Well, um, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of legal observers, probably including those 2,000, would say it's not entrapment, right? To make a uh, – and, Dan, you probably know this better than me – but to yep. make a case – for entrapment, you really have to prove that the person was induced to lie, you know, that you somehow tricked them. That would be the legal way you would prove that. And there isn't really evidence of that here. Bill Barr has kind of colloquially said this was a perjury trap, but his formal legal reasoning for backing away from the case isn't quite that. It's sort of that the Justice Department didn't have a validly predicated investigation when they went to interview Flynn. The FBI did excuse me and therefore his lies couldn't be material to anything any investigation or relevant to any investigation and that's an element of the crime so 
so therefore it has to be dismissed. Colloquially, people are calling that entrapment, so I think a lot of legal analysts would tell you it doesn't really meet the definition of entrapment. This has been the Dan Abrams Law and Crime Podcast with Sirius XM Radio.